All right. Thank you, Brother Dave Smith. Appreciate his singing so much and just really good there. Our text today now is in Galatians and it's in chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 and no, Galatians chapter 5, should I say. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, verse 24, and verse 25. Now, I get things from time to time, and somebody thought this was appropriate for today, so I thought I'd read it. Five things my generation would never hear Dad say. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we'll have to stop and ask for directions. Your mother and I are, are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. That would have never happened, okay? No son of mine is going to live under this roof without an earring. Now quit your belly aching and let's go to the mall. While we're out, we'll think about getting a tattoo. That would have never happened, okay? What do you want to, uh, excuse me, what do you want to go, why do you want to go and get a job for? I make plenty of money for you to spend. I had to pay rent. Okay. Well, son, I know what I feel like doing, but I don't believe in spanking. <laughs> I can guarantee you that was not Dr. Jesse Bloom, okay? He was not that dad in any of those. And, uh, of course, my kids will tell you how calm and easygoing I am. And they're waiting for the lightning to strike me right now. Okay. Well, let's get into the Word of God here for this morning. Father, I'm going to read the text here in just a moment. And then I want to preach it as it is to men as they are, your word. Lord, this message today about the war that's going forward, and we need godly men, we need godly fathers. And I pray that you would provide that through this message today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, verse 24, and verse 25, and I'll read that, and then I'll be coming back to it later in the message. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, in this series that we've been uh, doing here now in this month of June on faith, uh, we've been considering Abraham's faith. Now, it's not just going to be limited to Abraham, but uh, that's the one we started out with. And Spiritual growth requires a full yieldedness to biblical correction and reproof. We saw last week, the Lord chastens those that are his own. He scourges. 
And it's up to us as his children to respond rightly, not to rebel against what he does. And so often, uh, we turn that deaf ear to the counsel of God's word. Why would God be chastening me? Scourging me is the attitude. Sometimes you get mad at the preacher who talks about separation from the world, separation from the things that uh, now that, well, they're what respectable Christians can do. And, of course, uh, growing up under, in a preacher's house and under the Word of God is what I'm saying, more so than being in a preacher's house. If it was sin 50 years ago, it's still sin today. And, and so uh, God doesn't uh, amend, make amendments on sin. Sin is still sin. And so much today, we see that Christians are practicing in these last days under the flag of liberty, that they have labeled it liberty. But I can tell you this, what they have labeled liberty is not God's definition of liberty and grace in the Word of God. Matter of fact, he says what they call liberty and grace, they have turned into lasciviousness. That's from God, and when God says it, God is right, so uh, that's why your argument always must remain with God, not with uh, anybody else, because he's the final judge and authority. And instead of arguing with him, listen to him. Don't argue with God, and and. His word is right. It's always been right. It has not changed. It will not change. It's forever settled in heaven. So we have the word of God. Let's not make words of God abominable and lasciviousness by the way we live our lives and try to justify fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And so we were looking at that last week. We saw in James chapter 2, verses uh, 21 through uh, 23, says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now, talking about faith, men of faith, let's consider Abraham for just a few moments here. Abraham was called out of his own home country. The place where he lived. The place where he was established, he had a home there. He would live in tents the rest of his life, but there he had a home. He had possessions. He had those things, and God called him to go. He said, go west, young man, because that's the direction he went. And so uh, he led him out into what we today call the promised land. But to him... He called, called Abraham. He was calling Abraham to a strange land, a land that he had not visited, not one time. 
He never went on a survey trip. Today we have missionaries, and I highly recommend that. Missionaries go on a survey trip and uh, find out the place where you're going to be and where God lays on your heart. Well, they do that. Well, he didn't get a survey trip. There was no internet. There were no books. There was no DVDs to show him culture, to show him the language, to show him uh, the customs of the people. And you know, in a sense, you don't have to learn the customs and, and, and the culture as much as you've got to learn the Word of God and live by it and do what it says. And, you know, we're not out to win them. We're out to change them. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So the idea is, is that when we go, a missionary goes, he's not going to try to religiousize his evil customs, his evil culture. He's going to see if that by the grace of God, through the power of the word, the blood of Jesus, that that can be changed. And that should happen in America, too. That should happen in our own communities. But I want you to see that Abraham was told to leave his family, that, not his wife, but I mean his brothers and uh, those, the relatives, to a land he did not know. He left his homeland where he had friends, not only friendly surroundings, but familiar surroundings. And that's faith. He did not quit. He didn't get that attitude, oh, if I'd have known this, I would have never gone. We never see that in him. He walked with God, and he followed the call of God on his life, and all he had, you know, you and I, we have the written word. Boy, that, can, that helps so much. You know, when I've gone through troubles and trials in my life, been under attack and things like that, if you're going to be in ministry, that's going to happen, okay? But what i found is that doctrine is what sustained me. Doctrine is what helped me. And that's why a good knowledge of Bible doctrine is important. It's important. And so we, we have the Word of God to guide us. We have the Word of God to lead us. It was the Word of God, but Abraham had what we call oral tradition passed down from Adam to the next generation through Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, passed down from his generation. That was what God spoke to them and they shared with their families. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 19, God says, I know that Abraham will teach his children. He'll teach his household. He'll tell them in the way to go. But all Abraham had was the oral word of God that was passed down and then how God spoke to his heart word for word. And that's why holy men of old spoke as the, spake as the word as the Lord gave them utterance. They wrote those words that he gave them to write. But he didn't have an already completed word of God like you and I do. My friend, we're without excuse as Christians. We have much more than what Abraham had. As a matter of fact, 
he was told about a righteous nation or a nation that would come through his uh, progeny. And we know that that promise to Abraham was passed on to Isaac, then Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob to his sons, and we had the land of Israel. And in eternity, on down into the millennium even, we'll say that God's going to restore that land, and it's going to be to the Jewish people, the Israel people. God didn't change his plan. Now, you know why that's important to us? Because God made a promise to Abraham. So he kept his promise. He passed that promise on down to Isaac and to Jacob and to those that followed him. He gave a promise to David, and he's going to keep that promise as well. He kept giving them promises, and he'll keep his promises. Now, why is that important to me? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He keeps his promises. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He's not going to take his salvation away from you. Okay, so again, it's trusting his word, acting upon his word, doing what his word say, says. You know, Faith is not just, well, yeah, I believe it. that's true. My goodness, the devils believe and tremble. We read in James last time. No. Faith is acting on what the Word says, not just saying, yeah, I think that's true. It acts on what the Word says. That's faith. Now, look. We come to him. He was the father of many nations, the Bible tells us, of Abraham. Repentance and conversion, we come to Jesus Christ via the shed blood of Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried, and he rose from the dead. He did that for you. He did that for me. When we receive him as our Lord and Savior, he transforms our lives. By, listen, you say, okay, well, what's, why does that go back to Abraham? Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Noah rejoiced to see his day. These others rejoiced to see his day. And they saw it and they were glad. See, it was already known. They knew a Messiah was coming. And if Abraham would leave the land that was familiar to him, where he had it made, where he had everything settled, and he left to go to a land he did not know, if he would do those things, he had to believe God's word and God would never tell him to do something that would be worse for him, but would in eternity be better for him. And that's what he did. God made a way. And when there were trials, when there were troubles, when he had to form an army to go uh, against uh, those kings that had taken Lot into captivity, I don't know if his servants knew how to fight wars or not, but he went against an army and they won. But he went forward with it. The circumstances didn't change his mind. Went, what in the world am I doing over here? I'm going to go back where my family is. He stuck with God. He walked with God. My friend, the only way you stick with God is to walk with God. Now, 
Did God's will change with Abraham? Yes and no. I mean, yes, they come to here, and then they're there, and they're looking at the land. Lot says, yeah, I take that. It's well watered. And so that's where they were both settled. So, okay, go there. So he goes down there. We see that he's buried in Hebron, but he also was in other places. You know, God moves a man of God from place to place to place, but that man of God only moves when God leads him to move. Okay? That's the way it works. You go when God says to go. And by the way, we don't read that Abraham looked and said, Lot was the one that did it, but not Abraham. Lot said, oh, there's a great opportunity right there, man. I wouldn't tell you that. No, God, God says, you know, that may look worse for Abraham, but I'm going to make it better. You follow God's call. And that happens not just to an Abraham or to a preacher. That happens to a Christian that will walk in the will of God. And so that's what we're to do. We're to walk according to his will. And so, transformation. That's a serious thing in a person's life. Most believers, I believe today, live in the bare margins of what God actually desires for them to do. Just happy to get along with where they are, and that's it. They say, well, I go to church, and that's all that counts. Well, to be quite honest with you, God wants you to be holy and righteous. And so as a result of that, we walk with God. And changes are made in our life when we see that the Bible says one thing and there's things in our life that need to be either changed, taken away, or added to. Now, we all are aware of things going on in our country that we have not seen, perhaps, since the founders of this country. But the truth of the matter is, God is in control. He would love to see revival in the churches and evangelization throughout the country. But the people in the churches, men need to get right with God to save their home, to save their country. Now look, Abraham became a father of many nations. We got to get over this thing of, well, what about me or what about this? And we got to look to see what does God have for us? What does he want me to do? Abraham's faith had a do faith, as we said last week. It, it works. It's not only a saying faith. Oh, praise God, I believe that he's coming again. You know, a lot of people say that. I believe God. Praise God, I believe he's coming again. Well, 1 John chapter 3, he that believes that will purify himself, even as he is pure. Now, when you say, I believe that, you may... Seriously, believe that in your mind, but if you're not willing to purify yourself and separate from the world, you're going to let these things in the world that respectable Christians can do today. Then, my friend, you're part of the problem and the hindrance to revival and evangelization in this country. That's true for preachers. That's true for any Christian. Now, we see that Abraham acted on faith. God told him that through Isaac, 
There would be a seed and the promise of the land of Israel and on down the line. So he believed God, when he was told to offer up Isaac, was going to raise him up. Yeah, God would raise him up because this is the one he said. It, it wasn't Hagar's son. It was Sarah's son. God said it would be through him, so he knows that he's going to spare this child, Isaac. We do not really believe God in the way that the word means to believe God until we do what he says. Abraham was justified by faith before the law. Not one person in the Old Testament got saved by keeping the law. That did not save them. All that law did was show them they needed a Savior. Okay, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through uh, 3 says this. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed God would raise that boy up. So he was going to go through and do what God said, uh, offer my sacrifice, and God stopped him. You see, he was willing to do what God said to do because in faith he knew God would raise that boy up. He knew that. So he went forward with it, acting on the word of God. And so his works justified him because those works aren't, if I do this, you know what? If I go to church every Sunday, or maybe if I help out in the nursery, or maybe if I sing in the choir, oh, man, that's great. Well, you know, those are great things to do, and people should be involved. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, that God sets things up. He has a structure for the local church. Okay, I'm the pastor. We got, we've got a school. You know, uh, our school teachers, I could not tell them how to teach. Every one of them are better than I am at teaching. Brother Randy, best administrator I've had. I'll say that right off the bat. I'm not putting the other ones down. I'm saying he's the best I've had. And, and, and Brother Butch, he knows to go to me when he has mechanical problems. Brother Mark knows to come to me when there's problems with the Internet, okay? And he usually does because he comes and says, why did you do that, okay? Uh, uh, so, so again, I, I don't have the knowledge that all these people have to do the things they do. I do know this. God made me the pastor. And God said his will for the church is to win the loss, teach them. Win them, wet them, and work them. Okay. I mean, we're going to teach them to observe, teach them to obey, and, and we're going to walk with God. And I've got to see that every minister, ministry of Central Baptist Church, whether it's the radio ministry, whether it's the Sunday school ministry, whether it's children's church, whether it's the school, that we're fulfilling the great commission God gave to the local church. That's it. And sometimes I have to tell people no. Sometimes I've got to tell people to get out of here. Sometimes I've got to do this, got to do that. But look. I'll give an account. 
I'll give an account, and I will be in trouble with God if I don't do the things I'm supposed to do for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, so we see there, it was counted to him for righteousness. He acted on faith. Righteousness exalteth a nation. Now think about that. Righteousness is obedience to God's word. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 25. It exalteth a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, Proverbs 14, 34 tells us. God chastens and scourges his own. Yet, this man becomes a father of many nations as a result. As we told you last week, Christians are chastened and scourged. Nations are judged. What's coming to America? Nineveh, Jonah went there and preached to them to repent, and they repented. But 150 years later, the same Nineveh is destroyed because they wouldn't repent. We had some godly forefathers in this country, and whether they like it or not, the Constitution was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic, which means Old and New Testaments of the Bible. We had the Bible in school. Some men up there thought God should be kicked out. We had respect for people, for those in authority. What you see on media today, first of all, it's not journalism, it's not news. I mean, a news reporter reports what's actually happening, not telling you lies and making things up. Okay? So it's not news. That's not the way the country was founded. America needs to repent. And it can't repent until its people repent that are saved. And we need godly men that will lead in the home and lead in these things. Yes, God founded the Word of God because it's His Word. He founded the local church because it's His way. He created these heaven and earth. He's the ultimate decider of all things, the judge of the universe, but loved us so much he would give us his son. Now, having said all of that, I want to point something out. Think of the today of Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists, Mennonites. Do you realize that they have a standard? I mean, you can see the way they dress. They say, man, they've got standards. If you made your teenage daughters and sons dress like they make their kids dress, uh, you'd have war in your house. Yet you should be teaching your kids how to dress modestly. But they have a belief in what they teach, although they don't really know how to be saved. But they have a belief in it, and it affects the way they live. That's why when you go out and you say, yeah, these are Mennonites, but man, that, that's great. You know, I'm going to go, go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to see that. I enjoy watching them. They have a standard. Okay, so, so you get to know some of these people, and you see the way they are. But now, back in our text, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, 
and the spirit against the flesh. And these are the contrary, the one to the other, that you cannot do the things that you would. This is a spiritual warfare. Uh, you remember when the preachers used to stand up here and rail against alcohol? That's still your social drinking. It's still a filthy, rotten sin. And I do not apologize for that one bit because I'm going to stay on God's side on that, okay? If it was sin back then, it's sin today. We used to talk about going to the dance. We used to talk about going to the movies and what you see there. Now, well, it's all right for my kids to have those apps. Hey, not everybody becomes a murderer that has those apps. Idiot. Goodness gracious. You let your children have all these things, and, you know, the great fruit out of that is the children are going to love you until they're in hell. Your grandchildren are going to love you until you're in hell. Then what are they going to think? It's time to have godly men, godly fathers that will say, you know what, it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And so, look, let, let, let me give you just one example. Today, everybody has cell phones, it seems like. Not just the husband, not just the wife, the kids too. And what do you got to do? You got to put in the little code to get in. Or you can use the thumb, you know. But you got to put something in to get in. Okay? Let's imagine there's a husband. He's got, he's got a cell phone. And he said, I'm going to let the kids on that. I, I can understand that. But if he says, I'm not going to let my wife have this, that number so she can see my cell phone, where I've been, what I've done, my internet, or anything else, that husband cannot be trusted whatever. That husband is not right with God, and he needs to get some things straightened out in his life. It could be the wife that way. No, I'm not going to give that number to my husband. Look, my wife can get in not only to my cell phone, but she can come down here to the office and look at my computer. Of course, Brother Mark can do that as well. I've told them, anytime they need to see what they want to look at, go ahead. I know the numbers into her stuff. Women talk about the stupidest thing on Facebook, so I, I don't even go there. So, uh, But she can look at mine anytime she wants. Now, if you see me come in here with a cracked skull, broken legs and all that, you know that she had a baseball bat after she read my things, okay? So I'm not worried about that because you're not going to find anything on there, okay? I'm not worried about that. She can look at it. If I get to the point and say, no, my wife can't look at that, there is something scripturally wrong. If I'm saved, I am a backslid Christian that is a problem to the country, not something that's helping God's cause in this country. But hey, the same thing with your children. Well, you know, we've got to respect their privacy. Okay, why don't you charge them? Okay, let's see now. Your, your house payment's $800 a month. There's one kid and there's four of you in the house, so he ought to pay $250 of it. Well, he's, he's only in eighth grade. Well, you're saying 
respect his privacy, and you're paying for his phone, you're paying for all this other stuff, and you think, well, my kid would never send pictures of himself or send pictures to him, and he wouldn't run around with those crowds. You know how much we have heard that at the church and in the school? And usually when the kid gets caught, it was someone else's fault. Wake up. Because you're not doing a thing for your country, but especially you're not doing anything for your family, and obviously you're working against God. If you can't be honest in your own home, how in the world can you be honest before God? Now, God knows your heart, so you can't hide a thing from Him. You might hide things from your wife, you might hide things from your husband, but you're not going to hide it from God. And my friend, Get right with God as a Christian. If you want this country to be changed, you look at these things going on in the uh, country today and say, oh, it's terrible. We're going to have a civil war. Well, first of all, take care of the civil war in your own home. Be a godly man. Be a godly father. And decide, okay, today things do change. Today I am going to be a man of God. I'm going to learn to identify with the holy God. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. Listen to this quickly. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. You know what that word fashioning means? To emulate. The former lust. Not fashioning. What does he mean by that? Don't try to religiousize, say, well, this is all right. We've got liberty. I can smoke that cigar. I can take that little uh, social drink. Hey, I can watch that television thing, you know. Well, yeah, I know that uh, there may be some subjects that uh, we don't really like, and they should not be uh, things that we show in front of our kids. But, hey, if it's, got, if it's got that rating that just says parental guidance and we can sit there with them, you shouldn't be watching it yourself, let alone having your kids in there. The emphasis is on, well, yeah, they're having an adulterous relationship, but that's all right. Oh, well, you know, people do this today. It's a society that we live in. Culture's different. Preacher, uh, you got to wake up. This is a modern world. I have woke up. It is a modern world, and I'm calling on Christ to change it. Now, look. I'm not trying to get your children to like me today. I'm not trying to get your husband or wife to like me today. I'm trying to get us right with God. I want revival in America, but I know revival can't come to America until the churches get back to standards, get back to righteousness, get back to holiness, and, and girls look like girls, not like there's something on the side of the street that's selling their body. And guys learn that girls wear earrings and, and, and lipstick. Until they learn that boys marry girls and not boys marrying boys. And look, well, we've just got to love them. You know how much I've heard that? you just got to forgive them and love them. I love them enough to try to rescue them from that sin. Now, I know this. If they be a homosexual, if they be involved in, in all of that kind of sin, I don't care if it's drugs, drink, homosexuality, that is filthy, rotten, low-down, abominable sin in God's sight, but God can save them from it. And He can change their lives. 
He can make the worst homosexual in this county straight as an arrow if he gives his heart and life to the Lord. If we believe that, then let's try to bring them to Jesus Christ. Bring that drunkard. Bring that alcoholic. Bring that drug addict. Bring them to Christ. So yes, we need men because God made you the head of your homes. Be a man and say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And if it's going to be the way the Lord wants you to serve, it's going to be holy and righteous. You won't be taken off Sunday afternoon to go to the beach because, well, you know, it's family time. Do that on Monday. Wait, i got to go to work. Oh, so it's not God first, then your family, then your job. See, you just lied about that because your family was just put ahead of God and your job is put ahead of God that way. Decide, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Oh, when my kids will get out of the house, they're just not going to ever come back to church. They're not going to come ever. Look, I've seen parents that had those strong standards and their kids didn't come back. I've seen the parents that threw all the standards out so their kids knew what they want and their kids didn't come back. Why? Because each one of us have a free will. But the thing is, if you put that in their heart and you teach them the word, you keep putting it in their heart, putting it in their heart, and you put it in their heart, one day God will bring them to a point no matter how bad they are, that'll always be a conviction because you put it in their heart through the Word of God. They may go, they may go years and never repent, but they'll go rebelling against God all the way. Others, it may take a lot of beatings by God, scourgings and chastening when they wake up and say, Oh, God, I repent. And they rededicate their life to Christ. This week I got an email. Pastor, I'd like to come back to church and tell your people that the biggest mistake I made in my life was to leave Central Baptist Church. Now, I haven't told him this yet, but that's not his biggest mistake. His biggest mistake was to walk out on the will of God because of circumstances. That's the biggest mistake for a Christian. The biggest mistake for anybody is, is to live this life and die without Jesus Christ. One second after death, you may want to repent, but it's too late. One second after death, you may want Jesus to save you, but it's too late. People talk about an unpardonable sin. An unpardonable sin is to die without Jesus Christ. He came, he died for you, he loved you, and he rose from the dead, paying the penalty for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He did that for you, and he did it in love, but you've got to come back to him and say, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And if you sit there in your seat or you're watching by the way of internet or listening on radio and you say, well, you know, is it, I'm not that bad a sinner. Well, let's compare your sin. Have you ever had adulterous thoughts? Have you ever lied? 
Have you ever stole? Adam and Eve, the wages of sin was death for them. Just by taking and eating a piece of fruit, they were told not to eat. All mankind was doomed because that one sin, that's not great as the sins that I've committed. I'll guarantee you that. Now, this message today is calling first that if you're not sure you're saved, you need to get saved, get right with God. But secondly, if you are saved, quit identifying with the world and begin to identify with the holiness and the righteousness of Christ. We need to learn how to identify with Him. And therefore, this message calls for men to be men. Quit you like men and be strong. Be strong in Christ. Let's bow our heads, please.